Hey, welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I'm not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. I'm joined today by a new friend. His name is Mike Thompson. He is a fitness coach in the Nashville area. He struggled with an immense amount of anxiety, dealt with panic attacks, struggled with his mental health. But today he joins me to tell his story and to share some of the ways that we as men can take control of our mental health. She said to me, you know, if if you keep going down this road or, you know, something to that effect, she said, um, you know, our future kids aren't going to know their dad. And to me, that was like the gut check. If you're a dad who wants to embrace your God-given mission, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also get more content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you want even more than that, then head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being with me. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, thank you for agreeing to be with me. I'm looking forward to you sharing a little bit of your story because I think what you've gone through and what you've experienced is, let me say, refreshing to other guys who are going through what you went through because uh, you battled anxiety, panic attacks, you struggled with mental health issues. And I think there's a lot of men today who suppress those struggles that they're going through because they view it as a weakness to confess that they're actually struggling in these areas and getting help oftentimes is perceived as this great weakness because they're not man enough to overcome these things. And mm -hmm. I think you'll agree and through your experience that you're going to share today, I think you'll make it plain uh, that that's, that's not correct. That is wrong. Uh, it's okay to get help. Uh, and I think you're going to help a ton on that front. So I'm glad that you are willing and opening up to share this story. Uh, we're going to have a good talk. But before we get into all of that, um, right now, I believe you're a fitness coach. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing and how people can learn more about you? Sure. No. So I'm a online fitness coach, uh, coach based in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been coaching both in person and online since I think about the middle of 2011. So you know, about, about 12, 12 years, something like that. Um, kind of the main thing that I'm doing right now and the main need that I have seen um, kind of over the years working with a lot of guys um, is I help busy men get back into the best shape of their life while excelling at work and at home. And what I mean by that is I talk to a lot of guys who, you know, they feel like, you know, back in high school or college or their twenties or whatever, you know, age group you want to pick, they felt like, you know, they kind of had their health together, their fitness together, and then life happens. You know, I've got a toddler at home as well. I'm married. Obviously I run a business. So I'm busy too. Um, and I'm, I'm understanding, you know, what, what that's like when you have all these competing priorities, you kind of tend to put yourself on the back burner. And what I found over the years, um, when, especially when I did corporate fitness and work some, with some executives and stuff like that is, they tend to put themselves in the back burner and then everything else suffers. Their work life suffers, their home life suffers, their relationships suffer, their mental health suffers. And I'm not going to say it's easy to kind of prioritize yourself, but it's definitely not necessary for all of that suffering to happen. Um, I am a very firm believer that physical fitness translates into mental fitness translates into, if you want to call it professional fitness, family fitness, that getting in shape, 
makes everything better. And so right now in my life, that's what I'm most passionate about. And that's kind of, um, you know, the, the types of people that I love to work with and love to see those transformations because you can, in fact, be your best, healthiest, fittest version of yourself into your late thirties, forties, fifties. I've seen it over and over and again, again, it's possible. Um, and so I just want to try to get more guys to realize that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, I think that's good too, because, um, you know, I'm not in the best shape of my life and I'm trying, mm -hmm. uh, I stay somewhat active enough so that, you know, I still can fit the same clothes I've been wearing since I was in high school, but still, sure. you know, I get it. I still get that, you know, I'm definitely not as athletic as I once was because when I got married, I stopped playing basketball and I used mm -hmm. to play basketball four or five nights a week. And, um, it was quicker. I was stronger, just greater stamina and that stuff. I can tell it's, it's dampened a little bit, but, uh, I'm, I'm curious to know, um, your, your view on, on why you think for men specifically, the physical fitness is so enriching and bleeds into all of these other areas. Is it just because it just feeds into this natural masculinity of, you know, we want to be tough and we want to be strong. I mean, this is something that little boys, mm -hmm. uh, you know, deal with. This is why playtime with our sons is so important because yeah. it lets them gauge their strength. It lets them, you know, feel like they're growing up strong and being a man. And, you know, there's science behind that. Mm -hmm. um, what's your view on that? I think there is a lot to that. So, um, and we'll talk about this more when I get into my story. I think a lot of guys, I would say probably the vast majority do have some kind of itch to prove themselves in some way. Maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's again, through business or raising a big family or art or music, or I don't know, but you know, I think, you know, people want to leave their mark on the world. Right. And so everybody kind of has their own way of expressing that. Um, the reason I think that physical fitness ties into all these things is, is yes, like we know the physical benefits of, you know, exercise reduces anxiety symptoms, depressive symptoms, obviously improves all these markers of health that allow you to be around longer, allow you to play with your kids, you know, more get down on the floor, get up and down, you know, kind of keep up with the kids as, as you hear the phrase that's always used. But I like to look at it also from kind of a character trait driven, a mental skills driven perspective. So if you see someone that's, you know, it, age honestly is kind of irrelevant. I just use ages kind of because we see fitness drop off throughout life. So generally the older you are, you know, the, the, the more remarkable it is when someone's in shape, if they're like, say in their sixties sure. versus their forties. Um, but you see these character qualities in, in people like that, like, you know, that someone's in shape, they have to be disciplined in a certain area of their life because it doesn't happen overnight. They have to delay gratification. They have to, um, you know, be willing to endure a little bit of, you know, pain and suffering just because again, like, yeah, exercise should feel good on your joints and should be fun in some respect, but it's not always easy and you have to keep showing up when you don't want to show up. And so, and you know, the list can just, just go on and on and on. And so I think that, you know, as you develop or the fitness is a good vehicle, you know, to develop the mind in such a way that you can then apply those character qualities to other areas of life. So that I know that when I'm disciplined with, when I'm more disciplined with my eating, for instance, and I'm eating, you know, healthier foods, I'm not, you know, drinking a ton of alcohol, I'm, you know, doing all these healthy behaviors. I notice that I'm more productive. I sleep better, which means I'm in a better mood, which then means that I am a better husband. You know, I'm not snapping on my daughter. Um, 
you know, I can put more energy into my business and grow my business financially. And so it's, it's almost like this gateway drug, if you will, like getting in yeah. shape kind of is this gateway drug to improve a lot of other areas of your life that you may not even realize. Yeah, man. Well, I don't know. I don't know why more of us don't do that. You just explained it so well, well and but here's it makes the thing a lot too. of sense. Here's the thing. Like when I say get back in like the best shape of your life, like the best shape of your life is seasonal. It's like, I'm a yeah. realist. Like I'm not as fit as I was like in my mid twenties. Like, you know, I'm 2020, I did an ultra marathon. There's no way I could go do that right now. Like, absolutely not. I'm thinking more, um, holistically and being able to prioritize health when there are a lot of other things that are very important and, you know, tiny humans running around that are relying on you that didn't rely on you before when you can still keep yourself kind of in check and keep yourself fit. To me, that is like best case scenario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I, I like what you said about certain of uh, the, the mental aspects that go into dealing with your fitness. Uh, for example, like delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing that goes beyond just, you know, the physical uh, conditioning of our body and our health. Mm -hmm. But that seems like a good place to actually put that into practice mm -hmm. and, and actually get a sense of what it's like to delay gratification and then to see the reward coming to you after you have exercised patience. Yeah. Um, and being content so with I've, the process, you know, it's yeah. the same thing like financially, like with investing or retirement accounts or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever you do for the financial health of your family. It's, you know, the, the Bitcoin millionaires, like there's not very many of them, you know, like that's right. kind of like gambling, like actual financial yeah. health requires a lot of delayed gratification and not just buying whatever you want, whenever you want. Same thing with your health. Yeah. You know, if you want to lose weight, you can't just eat whatever you want, whenever you want. It's sure. just kind of the reality of it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's how it works. Even though we wish, you know, yeah. oh, I, oh, yeah. I do today. too, I'm man. I'm going to wake up tomorrow <laughs> with a six pack. <laughs> yeah. That's wish, not going to happen. That'd be great. Yeah, I got to happen. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I, I th those are, those are good points to make. I like the way that you painted that picture. I think it brings some clarity to the, significance and to the importance of, you know, being mindful and being, uh, intentional about our physical well-being. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, have you, uh, have you been, I'll, I'll call it a fitness buff, uh, all your life or did that start at a particular point? Pretty much my entire life. So when I was in kind of middle school, high school, um, I think I did have that drive to kind of prove myself. That's funny that you brought that up earlier. Yeah. Um, and kind of, what I aspired to for whatever reason, I don't know the exact reasons anymore, but, um, what I had my sights on joining the military. Um, and so I started working out when I was like 14, 15, um, you know, just to, you know, condition myself because honestly, like I am a naturally terrible athlete, like I'm super lanky. I don't build muscle easily. Like I'm not super coordinated. I was never really good at sports. Um, you know, really the only thing I was ever kind of good at without trying was running. Like I ran a lot, mm -hmm. um, in high school, but even then I wasn't like a standout athlete. It just, you know, I just was something that I enjoyed doing. And so I did it a lot. So I sure. got better at it, you know, just like anything else you do. And yeah. so, um, I, I always found it kind of intrinsically or maybe not always, but I found it intrinsically rewarding. I didn't end up joining the military. I ended up going to college, um, here in Nashville. Um, and, I still worked out, you know, kind of off and on. I had some injuries and stuff like that. So I had some, some layoffs and stuff, but for the most part, I mean, I would say I've been pretty consistently active in some way 
I mean, really it's going on 20 years at this point. And wow. like I said, at, at this point in my life, I just find it kind of rewarding in and of itself. I don't have big, sure. big goals, you know, like I maybe used to, like I competed in straw man. Like I said, I did some running and stuff like that. And the police department, obviously we will talk about, but right now yeah. it's just, it makes me feel good. And I'm a better human being when I get some energy out in the gym and that's really all there is to it. <laughs> right. No, no, I understand that part. Yeah. Kudos to you for keeping up with it for so long. Cause yeah. I think there's a lot of us who probably middle school around the time we were, you know, 14, maybe the freshman in high school, it's just like, all right, it's my opportunity to prove myself. You have to go to the weight gym. It's just mm -hmm. a part of public school. And it's just like, well, I'm, I'm going to compete with the rest of the guys here, but that tends to die off a little bit. So kudos to you for keeping 100%. that up and, you know, for helping other people yeah. along their journey as well. But you mentioned uh, joining the police force. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you've kept up with fitness, you know, through college as much as you could. Uh, in reading your bio, I know that you were in the top 10% of the academy and you joined the police force in 2016. Mm -hmm. What did that feel like for you? I mean, I know you said you wanted to go military, but how did it feel accomplishing that and actually becoming a police officer? Sure. Um, yeah. So the military thing, I just tucked on, I'll back up just a little bit. So um, I got married right out of college. I was 22. My wife was uh, 21, um, which I know anymore is not really typical, but we just kind of lucked out and made it work, I guess, yep. dated all through yep. college. There you go. Um, so I was coaching um, in person at the time um, at a few different gyms uh, around okay. uh, Nashville. And the way I was looking at my career then was, especially because this was, you know, 11 years ago, um, 12 years ago, I was looking at it as kind of a temporary thing to kind of get on our feet just because financially it was like, we were both broke. Obviously we're young. We're just graduating college. She literally got her first full-time job the week before we got married. So we, we had nothing like we, the, our first apartment, you know, didn't have AC, like it was wild. Yep. And so, um, <laughs> I was looking at the training cause it paid well hourly compared to anything else I could have been doing with the skill set that I had. And so I was basically like, all right, I'm gonna do this for a couple of years, kind of get us on our feet, maybe buy a house, you know, kind of the, the middle-class American dream. And then I still had that itch to, you know, join the military or, you know, like we call it, like do something tactical, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. but I valued my family. Like that's very, very high on my priority list. And, you know, if not the most important thing. And so it was like, well, I'm not going to join the military because I know I'm going to deploy because I know I'll be moving around all the time. That was just not the lifestyle that I wanted for my family. That's not the lifestyle that my wife wanted. Um, and so it was like, this is more important. That's, I'm not going to do that. And so I started looking at, you know, cause again, I wasn't trying to coach long-term. So I started looking at, you know, career options that would maybe kind of scratch that itch, but be a little bit more, uh, quote unquote stable, which it's not, but you know, we'll get into that. Um, and, and trying to do something locally. Cause I did, I, you know, I love, you know, the, the city here, I love the community and it was like, I want to serve people. And so the police department just kind of seemed like a natural thing to do. And so I went through the whole process at the time. There wasn't a lot of stuff going on like there is today. I, there were like probably 4,700 applicants or something for a class of, I don't know what they capped it at, but we started with about 55 people um, in my academy class. And so I went through that whole process, obviously got my running in shape, got myself in shape for that and was really mentally prepared, you know, for this grueling six month academy, because they were still doing like a stressful academy, you know, very similar to 
like army basic training where you're, you, we didn't live there, but we were, you know, getting smoked, you know, every hour on the hour, multiple times a day, like running six miles in a suit, like that kind of stuff. So I was very mentally prepared and kind of hyped up to go do that. And I wanted to do well. And I, I, I did okay. Like I wasn't the best at anything in particular. Like I wasn't the best at shooting and I wasn't the best at the PT side of things. I wasn't the best academically, but I was pretty well-rounded and good at just kind of everything overall. And so I remember when I graduated, it was, you know, the double mindset of, wow, like I just did this super hard thing that I never really, you know, there was never a doubt in my mind that I wouldn't do it, but it was definitely just like a make it to the next meal type thing. Like one day at a time, just break it yeah. down, make it the next meal. And it's like, wow, it's finally over. Like, this is really cool. I really accomplished something and I learned a lot and I, you know, this, this feels amazing. And then, you know, kind of reality sets in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's always cool when you actually, you know, complete the course of what are, whatever it is that you're doing. I mean, I think about, uh, myself. So I didn't go to college right out of high school. I ended up going to WGU online. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I started mm -hmm. in 2018 is when I officially started that, but I did it in 16 months. And now I went fast and I knew it would go fast because yeah, I, I, awesome. I knew I was going to do it fast. It's competency-based. Yeah. And I know I'm not an idiot. I call myself an idiot a lot. I'm not an idiot. Uh, so I knew I would get mm -hmm. through it pretty quick and I wanted to get through it faster. But, you know, while I'm doing that, we moved houses. Uh, we had another kid. Like there was a lot that happened in that 16 month period. Uh, but still, yeah. it was it was it was really neat. It's impressive. It was neat looking back on that and be like, I finished my course. Like I'm done. Like like I did it. Like it's there's something rewarding in that. Yeah, and the thing too that a lot of people don't realize, like then, especially here in Nashville, I think the application process for me was like two years. Like it was a long, like they fast track them now. Wow. Like I, I know guys, I train guys that are going all the time and they, you know, go to the gym and it's like three months now Oh wow! because it's need people. But then it was like two years of waiting and you do one thing and then you wait six months and you get an email and you wait another three months and you have to go in for an interview and then you wait. And it was just like this super long drawn out process. And I didn't even find out I was starting the Academy. We started in January. I didn't find out until two weeks before. Oh, wow. <laughs> like they called me at work. It's like, Oh, you're starting. I'm like, Oh, like I have to get my uniform. I have to get all my stuff together. I have to shut down my training business, like all this. And so it was Sheesh. coming out the end of that. It felt like it was kind of the culmination of almost like a college experience like that. Cause mm -hmm. it had been so long and kind of that, that goal. Like I just, I, you know, I want to be a police officer. I want to be a police officer. I'm going to do this thing and just head down, just working. And then, like I said, you graduate and you feel awesome. Like you go out to dinner and then it's like, Oh, great. Tomorrow night at 10 PM, I report for, yeah. <laughs> you know, my first night shift. Yeah. Wow. yeah that's <laughs> what quick. does that mean? <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. yeah. You're going to do a great job. Oh, it's good. You're going to know we got a bunch of rookies out there not knowing what they're doing. Um, exactly. But, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. It's, it's fun though. I'm sure it's a fun experience, but uh, mm -hmm. I know your tenure as a police officer didn't last too long. You were out. Correct. You started in 2016. You're yeah. out in 2018. And Correct. I know based on your story, you started having, I say started, I don't know for sure, but you were having panic attacks. You were dealing with anxiety. Is that something that started once you were a police officer or historically were there signs or struggles with that previously in your life? So I think I'm, and honestly, like I, going into, you know, this whole experience, I was, 
very not emotionally intelligent, like <laughs> with other people, but especially myself, like I was not very self-aware. It's not something of, that was taught in school for us though. No, it was not taught to me in any, any sort of way. And I don't fault anyone in particular for that. It's just right. not something that you do, which is yeah. kind of why we're here having this conversation yeah. to actually do that. Um, so I had no self-awareness. I had, you know, very little clue, honestly, like why I was doing things, you know, how I felt about certain things other than just kind of have my opinion and that's that, you know? So I, I think I've always naturally been kind of an anxious person, um, you know, for some social anxiety, I'm definitely more introverted. Um, you know, so that's always kind of been a thing, but never to the degree that I started experiencing once I became an officer. So, um, you know, I, like I said, I graduated the Academy. I kind of have my sights fixed on, you know, I want to become this thing. I want to do this thing. It's like, cool. And then reality hit. And I didn't even realize this until very recently, like the last few months hmm. is I think I was more, you know, mentally focused, mentally prepared to get through the training and accomplish the thing and prove to myself that I could do it for whatever reason. Um, then I was actually to have a career doing this. I think I had it backwards. And I think that was my biggest mistake that kind of, that kind of cost me that. Um, and so I started, you know, obviously there's shift work involved. It's, you know, I mean, it's a high stress job. I mean, watch the news. Um, you know, there's a 99% of the stuff that, you know, police officers do is not on the news. Yep. Um, a lot of, you know, I was a part of thankfully nothing too crazy, dangerous, nothing, but I, there were a few critical incidents I was, I was at, and that stuff never bothered me. It was for whatever reason, the way I'm wired, it's like you hear gunshots. You're like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, like, huh, yeah. I better, you know, go see what that's about. <laughs> but which I think is a good, obviously trait for a police officer to have. But yep. it, the thing that got me was like, you know, cause it was, you did some training rotations. So it was night shift, day shift, evening shift, night shift, um, then switch back to days for a year and then switch back to evenings. Um, on top of that, you, there's a lot of court time. So you're working a lot of overtime and then there's a lot of overtime opportunities that paid extremely well for the work that you did. Like I got paid, you know, in 2017, you know, 40 bucks an hour to sit at a bank and read a book, you yeah. know, like, and you literally weren't allowed to do anything. They're like, it was an office building. They're like, we just have to have you here for our insurance. Like, we don't want you to do anything. It's like, cool. Yep. So, you yep. know, I'm making, you know, ton, tons of money just sitting around doing nothing. It's, it's, kind of addictive. Like you just want to go work all the time because <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, you make all this money. Um, yeah, exactly. And, it sound like my uncle. Yeah. So you, you yeah. He was a so you have all that court time in, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have all that, that kind of shift work, unpredictable overtime court time. Um, the constant fear of, you know, cause obviously like you're having to make these split second decisions, you know, based on a lot of training, you're having to make decisions, you know, multiple times a night, you know, that they're going to sit and argue about in court for, you know, potentially a couple of years, you know, and you have to make a decision now and that has to be the right decision or you're going to get dragged through the mud. Um, you're, you know, possibly going to get suspended. Like it's a big city police department. I'm not going to talk bad about the department, but there's definitely, uh, kind of that pressure from, um, you know, whatever activists were doing at the time and departmental policies were pretty strict. Um, you know, on stuff. So it was like, you know, someone complains on you for, you know, cussing or something like you get suspended for a day and that goes in your permanent record. And if God forbid something ever does happen, you know, a critical incident where it goes to court, they're going to drag your record out, just drag you through the mud in front of everybody. And so I think my anxiety, whatever was pre-existing 
you know, their tendency was just amplified by that environment. Hmm. It was just, I was not anticipating that and I was not prepared just for the daily mundane grind of just kind of doing the moderate to high stress daily stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I started experiencing these anxiety attacks and I don't remember exactly when my first one was, I'm pretty sure when I was on day shift in 2017, I don't think I had too much issue with it directly. Like I know I was definitely kind of emotionally detached at home, kind of shut down, you know, tired all the time, just wanting to play video games, just, you know, basically giving my best self to work, you know, getting that massive adrenaline hit, feeling great. And then coming home and just being nothing, you know, just existing, um, at home, which is not obviously the place I wanted to be in, but at the time I wasn't self-aware enough to see that that was happening. And so once I switched back to nights, overtime kind of ramped up, the stress ramped up. Um, and for whatever, whatever reason, you know, I did not handle it well. Um, I had these, I started having these kind of, yeah, I was anxious, like the typical things, like your palms get sweaty, you get hot, you know, you're kind of, you know, twitching a little bit, you know, just kind of wanting to move around like you're anxious, kind of in that fight or flight, low level kind of, uh, feeling, but I actually started having these seizure like panic attacks. So uh, it would basically like lay me out on the floor like gasping for air, like hyperventilating. Um, I would convulse. I feel okay. Using that word, like my limbs would shake, um, my hands and feet would go numb. Um, and this would last anywhere from about five to 15 minutes, sometimes at a time. Um, at its worst, I was having two to three of those a week. Um, didn't really understand what was going on. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm stressed out. Like I'm tired, like whatever, you know, and I did have that mentality, like, you know, some of these other guys aren't dealing with this. Like, are they more man than me? Like, why am I having yeah. this? You know, why me basically like what, like I thought I was going to be good at this and, you know, objectively like on the job, like I'm getting good, like performance reviews, like I'm doing the job. Well, like, definitely doing it to the best of my ability, trying to learn, like trying to take some additional classes and stuff. And yet here I am. And it's like, what, what is happening? And so of course, yep. you know, as a guy, I go into fix it mode where it's like, okay, well, I just need to, you know, fix this problem. And, uh, was very blessed. The department here offers a very good kind of interdepartmental counseling program. It's free. So, you know, did a couple with my wife, uh, had a guy individually that I would talk to. And it was all basic, like symptom management type stuff. It was, you know, well, when you have a panic attack, here's how you, you know, mindfulness techniques to ground yourself, but we never really got into, you know, deeper, deeper ways or things that could potentially sure. in my mindset that could be contributing. So went through that ultimately decided, you know, I was getting a little bit better, but it made me kind of reevaluate yeah, my yeah. <laughs> thought about my life choices, you know, <laughs> and was like the, the kind of the turning point for me, um, was a conversation that I had with my wife where, um, we didn't have kids at the time. Um, but she, she said to me, you know, if, if you keep going down this road or, you know, something to that effect, she said, um, you know, our future kids aren't going to know their dad. And to me, that was like the gut check. Cause like I said, like I kind of chose this career path to scratch my own, you know, personal itch, but also to yeah. try to prioritize my family to the best of my ability, um, over the military, um, from what I perceived anyway. And when she said that, it was like, yeah, I got to make a change. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this for 20 more years. Um, 
frankly, I didn't think my marriage would last that long. It was like this, something has mm. to change. And so that's, that's kind of when I decided to, to make a big change and come back to yeah. coaching. Well, I think it's interesting. You know, we talked at the very beginning of the episode here, we talked about how, and you elaborated on this very beautifully, how when we put an effort on our physical well-being and our health and our wellness, that that ultimately bleeds over and has a positive impact on our mental well-being. And I think it's interesting mm -hmm. how in your story, the inverse of that is true. So when you're struggling mentally and you're having these panic attacks and you're having this struggle with anxiety, there was a physical representation of that in your personal life mm -hmm. too. Cause, uh, I mean, you, you put on weight, you started having back problems and things mm -hmm. like that. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, all of it was again, stemming from my lack of skills to deal with, you know, the anxiety that I was experiencing. So I did, you know, with, with, that career, one of, I work with a lot of officers right now. And, you know, one of the biggest struggles is like, well, you know, if, especially if you're in a patrol or some kind of, you know, unit that isn't just sitting in an office all day, you don't have access to, you know, generally a fridge. You don't have, especially if you're at night, there's no restaurants open. So you're relying on like gas station food. If you don't bring anything, it's very easy to like over caffeinate or rely on sodas and stuff. And so just kind of the weight gain, just if you're not, hyper aware of it, it just kind of happens, right? You're just not really, you're focused on work and you're just kind of eating what you can. You're eating honestly for sure. comfort. A lot of times, like you go to a high stress call and then you hit the gas station, get some candy. You know, I would do that sometimes just to kind of, you know, chill for a minute, you know, kind of come back to baseline before I go to something else. Um, alcohol obviously is a problem. Um, thankfully that was never really a big issue for me, but I know it is for some guys, you know, over, over drinking, uh, on the weekend and stuff like that. I had very severe, um, back and hip pain. And I don't know, I know that back pain does correlate a lot with like anxiety and depressive um, symptoms. So I'm sure that there was some of that involved kind of like this physical manifestation, like you yeah. said, um, of what was going on in my head. But also like, I remember like I would working out, lifting weights specifically kind of became this you know, prove how tough you are to the world or to yourself. Ultimately, I mean, you know, no one's there watching. It's proven it right. to myself type thing. So I remember like there was one workout I was squatting and, you know, squatting pretty heavy. You know, I did a set rack, the bar, and I had a panic attack, like mid workout. Wow. I was working out at home. Like nobody saw it. Um, just, I think from that pure physical exertion, it just kind of pushed me over the edge and it passed. And I was like, all right, cool. That's over. And I got up and just continued to work out, just put the bar back on your back, keep going. Wow. And it was, that's what I thought the solution sure. was, <laughs> you know, it was not, I was not taking care of myself in the sense that I try to, you know, coach. I was using that, you know, physical exertion, physical fitness to kind of prove to myself how tough I was, but it wasn't from a place of like valuing myself. It was from a place of like, you suck, you can't handle what you should be able to handle. So you're going to yeah. suffer until you can handle yeah. it. And that is not, <laughs> it's yeah. not good. Like looking back on it now, it's like, God, Mike, you were so dumb, yeah. but you know, it is yeah, what well, it is. <laughs> I'm here now. And exactly. I know other guys kind of make the same yeah, mistake. Well, you live and you learn. And I think that's really important. And I, I'd, I'd like to hear more about that from you. So 
you experienced the panic attacks, the anxiety, you know, elaborate. I know you told the story about your wife uh, telling you that your kids are going to know you. And if, if I understand correctly, she didn't mean like you're going to die because I mean, if you're going to have, you didn't have kids no. at the time. So I think she meant it more of you're going to be a different person by the time your kids are grown and they're exactly. not going to know the mic that I have married. They're not going to know the mic that you actually yep. are. Um, and you know, so that yep. hits you. That's obviously a big, uh, effect. Yeah. Like that. I'm getting, my throat's getting tight right now. Like yeah, thinking about yeah. that. <laughs> it's, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's powerful. yeah, absolutely. So uh, talk about how going, going through the panic attacks and the anxiety, talk about how that affected you, but talk about what you learned from living through that. Sure. Um, I think it kind of the self, the self-awareness and kind of, like I said earlier, the emotional intelligence to understand like, what am I feeling at this time? And where is that coming from? You know, like, like I said, like the working out, like at the time I thought it was like, yeah, I'm going to be this big, bad person. But now I understand, like I was working out from a different place, a place of, I won't go as far as to say like self-hatred, but definitely punishing myself or trying to break myself of whatever I thought I needed to be broken of, yeah. you know, which was obviously not the case. So the self-awareness and, you know, emotional intelligence and emotional management, being aware of when I'm getting worked up over something, when I'm and not just anxiety. So it's like, you know, if my daughter's running around doing whatever crazy thing she's doing and I'm starting to get a little frustrated, you know, before it would just be like, oh, you know, I just expect immediate compliance and just, you know, I'm just going to be kind of angry right. and frustrated. Whereas now I'm much more able to be like, okay, you're frustrated. What are you frustrated yeah. about? Is it reasonable to accept her or to expect her to act like a rational adult? No of way. course not. And so I think that, you know, kind of mindset shift and that awareness has benefited me in just every area yeah. of life, not just with anxiety. Um, along with that, um, you know, I had a, a therapist who told me a great analogy. This was specifically with the panic attacks, but it was, I think it's been helpful for me in every, you know, in a lot of other situations too, is, um, you know, when that panic attack happens and you feel yourself kind of going into that mode, um, he, he compared it to like a freight train running down a hill. And so, you know, the harder you try to slam on the brakes or you put something in front of the freight train, you're going to cause a bigger mess, you know, at worst, at best, you're not really going to slow it down at all. It's still going to come barreling down that hill. And so one of the most successful strategies for me to, to manage the attacks and just general kind of, you know, we'll call them negative emotions in general was like being aware of it, acknowledging it like, yes, I'm feeling anxious right now. That's okay. I don't need to feel good right now. I can feel anxious. And that in and of itself in kind of this weird way kind of flips it where you actually feel less anxious when you're okay with feeling as anxious as you're sure. going to feel. Does yeah, that make absolutely. sense? Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> like that's a, you're, you're, you're content with whatever, you know, whatever emotion right. you're feeling. It's like, that's cool. Like yeah. that's Understanding fine. that you can't um, I don't need to feel it. good right now. It is what it is. I think that's yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. And strangely enough, when you accept that it is what it is like, yeah, you're still going to be anxious. You're still going to have problems like we all do, but it's, it's not going to get worse. It's less daunting. Yeah. It's, yeah. And you're not going to beat yourself up for feeling right. that way. That's the thing. Cause I, that's obviously like the self-critical little voice in my head is still a thing. And it's like, no, it's like people feel anxious. Yeah. Like that's a normal yeah. human thing. Like, why do you think that you shouldn't feel right. anxious? Like, are you better than everybody else where you're not going to feel anxiety right. ever? No, of course not. Um, and I think, I think along with that is just a lot of, um, 
humility and being like, okay, yeah, like you can do hard things. You've done hard things your entire life. You will continue to do hard things, but that does not mean that you're superhuman. That doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle. That doesn't mean that you are, you know, somehow less than other people or different than other people in the fact that you struggle. Like everybody's got their own problems. Like maybe you struggle differently than your buddy, but he's going to struggle yeah. in other ways. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of humility, you know, definitely brought me down several yeah. notches in the best yeah. way possible. Like I couldn't be more grateful yeah. for that. Lesson. No, I, th I think, I think that's great that you extracted that from your experience. And that's, that's one of the things that's usually difficult for us to do is, is look back on hard times, look back on trials, look back on failures, because mm -hmm. at least for me, like in the past, when I messed up, I just wanted to forget about it and move on and just try to do better and not, not actually mm -hmm. evaluate what I did wrong, where I messed up so I can be better prepared for the next time I find myself in that same situation. So I think it's really important that the reflection that you did is something that we're all mindful of, that we do that and we actually evaluate, okay, what mm -hmm. have I gone through? And, you know, in your case, you had a therapist also that helped. Uh, that's another thing that I think is really important. It, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, it's not, it's not bad <laughs> yeah. to have a therapist. It's not bad to have counseling. It's not bad to talk to people because, mm -hmm. you know, I think about with counselors spe specifically, they always just take you back to the source of the problem and then work with you from right there. Mm -hmm. The earlier, the earlier you start, the easier it is to get to the source. Like it just, if you have a problem, Mm -hmm. get help with it. And I think it's really important. You know, you talked about the self-awareness that you gained um, and you talked about, you know, dealing with your emotions and emotional management and just, just the fact that you identify that you have emotions. I think as men, sometimes we get stuck in this idea that women are emotional mm -hmm. and we're not, and we do have emotions. Mm -hmm. we, we, we might not be as emotional, but we definitely have emotions. And especially when you become a dad, holy smokes, you get way more emotional at something yep. that I experienced. It's oh, just like, dude. wow. <laughs> what? I was like, I was like watching a movie one yeah. day. Like, how is yeah, this I'm possible? watching a movie one day that I've yeah. watched before. And I'm like, oh my God, that that's so touching. Like, I can't cry right now. It's just like all of a sudden, it's just. Yeah. Have you, uh, I know you've seen it. You've seen Coco. Yeah. Yeah. That animated yes. movie. <laughs> Dude, so so Alice is on a kick. My, Alice is my daughter. She's two. Um, she's on a kick with that movie. Wants to watch it every single day. Yeah. Dude, like it took me probably twenty or thirty viewings of that movie to not <laughs> cry at the end. That's funny. Like I don't, and you know, it's like this real touching father daughter thing is the ultimate yeah. story, right? And so it's you know, like yeah, they're they're pulling all the right, right. strings, but like. Yeah. And I, I cried, you know, when she was born, you know, whenever she was an infant and the first time she ever like made eye contact and locked yeah. eyes with me, like I was yeah. a mess. Like it was in the best way. Like, and I have, you know, I think that's completely normal. And I'm glad that, that now I think, you know, whatever generation you want to call us is, is fathers are more involved and more open about talking about yeah. those things with their kids because it's, it's so, it's so important. And I, yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's no, I, I think I think you're right. I think there is definitely a shift in the culture with fathers, and I'm I'm glad to see that because mm -hmm. you know I think a lot of the problems that we have dealt with have been, and I don't mean this as a slam to you know our fathers or our grandfathers, but just because of the environments that they had to grow up in, the things that they went through, it was you have to be rough and you have to be tough, and that carried on through mm -hmm. us and. T times have changed a little bit. And so trying to be rough and tough is not always mm -hmm. the solution. It's not that you can't be rough and tough. Yeah. It is a solution. Like 
like I get it. Like I was a police officer. Yeah. Like there was a time you had to be right. violent. Like that was just what you had to do. But what they always told us is like, you're nice until it's time not to be nice. And then you're nice again, as soon as it's time yeah. to be nice again. And that served me very yeah. well. Like I did, I had pretty good rapport with most suspects, even ones that we had to fight and chase and do all these right. kinds of things just because, you know, you know when to turn it on and when did you turn it off. And I think that was, without going down that sure. rabbit hole, I think that's probably something that has been lacking in the past is that that kind of, you know, it's time to be tough was always right. on because it had to be, exactly. you know, you just look at, you know, the past hundred exactly. years yeah. and, and now it's like, yes, you need to be able to like, men need to be able to do that. Like, I feel like lifting weights and training is a way to express yeah. some of that and kind of bring that out. But there, that is not appropriate when your two-year-old daughter wants to watch sure. Coco. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't work. I'm going to do, do some push-ups <laughs> with you in my back while you watch Coco because it's the only way I know how to. No, I'm not watching yeah. that kid's yeah, exactly. movie. I'm watching Terminator. Like, no, like, yeah, shut up. Exactly. Watch movie. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so talk to me because you just, you talked about, you know, ways that you can deal with these things. So let's talk about uh, some of the practical things that you do that you've done um, that help you with the, uh, help you improve your physical and mental health. What are some things that, you do that other guys could actually do. Sure. Um, so obviously, you know, training physically in some sense, you know, has been kind of the constant throughout my entire life. Obviously we talked about at one point I was using it unproductively. So it's like, it's a tool, right? You can use it correctly or you can use it incorrectly. And so, um, so working out, um, toward meaningful goals and not necessarily when I say meaningful goals, I don't necessarily mean, Oh, I have to be 8% body fat or I have to have a six pack or I have to run a marathon or you know, like those things are good. And I think there's a lot of utility in using that kind of thing to motivate yourself. I've used that plenty of times, but it's a tool in the toolbox. So like for me right now, I work out to, you know, for my joints to feel good. Like I like getting stronger, seeing the progression in the gym. Um, but I definitely train differently than I used to just because I want the workouts to build me up. I want to feel physically good. And the other thing that I've noticed too, especially with, you know, the way I'm training right now is like when you go into the gym and you're like, all right, I want to target the certain muscle group, you know, I've selected the exercises to do that, you know, in a great way, whatever it's, it's almost kind of like a moving meditation. Same thing with like trail running. Um, when I did a lot of trail running, it was, you know, I tried to train a lot, without headphones and stuff like that. And it was very much kind of brings you into the moment, brings stress down from the rest of your life and kind of helps you just focus on what you're doing right now and not worry about all the other yeah. problems. Like, you know, my example was like, you know, I go run some 400 meter sprints. I don't care about my other problems because I'm literally just trying right. to breathe, you know, like that's an extreme example, but there is something about getting out of your head and into your yeah. body that I think running is, very is good helpful. for stress. So, so that, um, Yes. Um, I have in the past, I have had, you know, a simple kind of mindfulness meditation practice, absolutely nothing spiritual about it for me. It was literally sitting there and focusing on my mm. breath, you know, for five or 10 minutes, same exact purpose as, um, the training, um, kind of with the added benefit of you learn to sit there and you learn how fast your mind is going at all times and how fast thoughts are just in and out. Like you, it's really hard to focus on your breath for 10 breaths, like try it. Like it's very hard. You'll be thinking about something else. You'll be like, oh, my, my back hurts or my elbow hurts. And boom, you're just, you know, you're all over the place. And so learning kind of to sit with your thoughts and just let them come and go 
and then translating that skill into your everyday life, you know, oh, I'm feeling frustrated. Why am I feeling frustrated? Are you kind of curious about that stuff and you don't necessarily like get lost into that emotion and the dial gets turned up, yeah. you know? Um, I think sleep is huge. Um, and I'm, I'm a realist with myself and my clients with this. Like there's no, like we know research, yeah, get your six to eight hours, whatever. Like we understand that, but we also understand that like life, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> yep. kids work, like you have responsibilities. You want to, like I was, uh, talking to uh, one of my clients who's a police officer and, you know, he works these weird shifts and the only time he can spend with his wife is if he cuts into yeah. his sleep. And I'm like, you know what, that may be a, you know, a higher on your values list and that may be more important and that's okay. Yeah. Like we have to understand, you know, kind of the trade-offs, but it's not right or wrong. I do know for myself that when I am intentional about going to bed at a certain time about, you know, doing the sleep hygiene things like, trying to stay away from screens, you know, an hour before bed, make sure the room's cold, dark, I sleep better. And when I sleep better, I'm more productive um, at work and fitness wise, and with my family, like I'm easier to talk to, I'm more present, I'm more active with my daughter. Um, all of those things, you know, when I get, say, six and a half or seven hours of sleep, which is pretty average for me, versus nights where I'll get like four yeah. or five hours. Um, so I'm a realist. Like I get it. I'm not perfect. I don't get eight hours right yeah. now. Um, but I don't think that's yeah. realistic, you know, but it, but I think, I think all I'm trying to say with the sleep is I'll sleep when I'm dead is a terrible <laughs> motto. Yeah. Um, you'll be right. dead sooner. Like, yes. <laughs> you know, like you have to elevate some of these things higher on your priority list and you have to understand how it benefits you. Cause like you're not, if it's just like, Oh, I need to sleep more. So I'll be healthier. Like that doesn't really mean sure. anything, but if it's like, I need to sleep more because I'll be less anxious and I'll be more active with my daughter and have a better relationship with her. You know, this is my example. It's like, Oh, I'm going yeah. to bed. You know, I value those other things. And so I'll take this action that maybe I don't want right. to do because it, it, it supports right. these other things. Um, and then the last thing I think, you know, from things that have helped me personally is just like what we're doing right now is just talking through it with other guys, like hearing other guys' experiences, you know, talking about my own experiences, um, you know, kind of processing things, uh, because I think the more self-awareness that I have, you know, just with my own things, I can maybe help my friends more. It's like, Hey, you know, you're going through this, like, are you feeling kind of like this? And they're like, Oh my God. Yeah. I never, I never could articulate that. But, but since you said that, it's like, yeah, so you, it, it helps multiple multiple things just to be more aware of what your, what your own yeah. mind is doing. Yeah. I think those are great, great things to do. Um, let me ask you, what do you think? Um, what do you think most guys struggling with these things or struggling with their personal fitness? Where, where do they mess up in, in the business of life? What's, what's the main stumbling block for, I'm going to say us. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen this over and over and over by by far the number one thing I see guys doing that is, is tripping them up with their, their own health and fitness. And by extension, all this other stuff is either trying to do too much too soon or kind of having this all or nothing mentality where guys will be like, all right, I'm getting in shape. And they go to the gym, you know, six days a week, they find, you know, whatever crazy workout program they want to do, take your pick. There's millions of them, I'm sure. 
you know, they start dieting super hard, it's super restrictive. So they immediately diet, they're hundred percent keto and they just do that immediately. And so they're, you know, making their own meals and eating separate from their family. And, you know, it's just, and that works obviously really, really well in the yeah. short term. In the long term, it actually causes more harm than good because what you start convincing yourself as is like, okay, if everything is perfect and my diet is, you know, a hundred percent super strict, like take your pick, whatever the diet is like really restrictive and I'm doing all this stuff in the gym and I'm always sore and I'm always beat up and I'm just hitting it hard. Like, yes, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to be healthy. And then the first thing that comes along where like you miss a workout because your boss has you stay late or like with my police officers, like you get held over all the time. So, or you get called into court, you know, the morning of, and you have to miss your workout or whatever. And they're like, oh, I missed a workout. And then this negative self-talk starts where it's like, oh, well, I missed that one. You know, I might as well, I'm going to, I'm going to start again tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to get back on the train tomorrow. So they kind of, you know, eat like crap the rest of the day, maybe have a couple yep. drinks wake up the next day, feel like crap because the previous day they kind of let loose and they're like, oh, so maybe they'll make it back to the gym, maybe not. And then you just kind of start this, this downward slide where they're just like, I can't stick to this diet because it's too restrictive. So I'm just not going to do anything yep. at all. Or I can't stick to this workout plan that I have that has me six days a week. I can only go three. That's not good enough. So I'm going to stop. Yep. And it's, I hate to say, because when, when, I talk to guys about like starting, I like the, the Dave Ramsey debt snowball yeah. analogy, um, where like you pay off your smallest debts first. And that even if the higher interest debt is like, you're paying more interest, you start that, that right. snowball effect with the small debts because every small win builds on the, yep. uh, the last one. It's the exact same thing with anything you want to change in your life, especially with fitness is it's like literally I tell people like, all right, go for a 10 minute walk. Like that's your first homework. And they're like, what? I'm like, just trust me. Like, because when you take action and you succeed, you you do the opposite of that all or nothing approach. You start building this belief in yourself and in your ability. So, you know, you start slow, you start with things that your body can handle. You're not as sore, you feel good, you feel more energetic, you know, and you're changing just little things at a time rather than worrying about, oh, I've got to do, you know, this laundry list of things. And then it's like, you know, you get a couple months into it. It's like, oh, wow, I've lost 10 pounds and I didn't even feel like yeah. I was trying. Like I see it all the yeah. time and it's like, yeah, like you don't have to go on this crazy restrictive diet and work out six days a week. Like you're shooting yourself in the foot. If you do that, you're actually harming yeah. yourself. Um, that is by far like the biggest thing that I see from guys. And the other one kind of goes along with that is most guys don't want to get any social support. So, you know, regardless of whether or not you have a coach, it's like, yeah, you'll work out with your buddy every now and then maybe and just kind of have some healthy competition. And that's cool. But like most guys, especially in, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, tend to be pretty solitary, not a whole lot of friends, and they're just kind of doing things on their own. You know, they've got a family, maybe their wife, you know, there's competing priorities as far as feeding the family versus eating the food that he feels like he yeah. has to eat. And so he just kind of like puts his head down and it's a real solitary sort of thing. And that generally, like, we do better when we have support from yeah. other people. Like that's why like things like support yeah. groups are so helpful 
or, you know, just having drinking buddies or whatever. Like you have this social support of people who are kind of like-minded. And when you get around people that are just a little bit ahead of you, maybe it kind of sure. elevates you. Whereas if you're just around people who don't really yeah. care, it pulls yeah. you down. And it's much easier to be pulled down than pull. Yeah. Them community up. is a wonderful thing. It gives you that sense of inspiration. Like you mm -hmm. talked about with people who are a little bit ahead of you, just to show you what's feasible, what's possible. Um, there's, there's mm -hmm. so many benefits with community and, and gyms are great for yeah. that. Like any good gym, like beat people, like don't just, you know, I, I'm kind of guilty of this, but like, don't always just put your headphones in and just kind of put your head down and go yeah. to work. Like look up and meet people like spot people. Like you'll, I've pretty much all of my friends, um, with like two exceptions, like with, we used to play music together in college, all the rest of my friends have been through something gym That's related. Cool. And like, I, I always tell people like people get intimidated and stuff like, listen, like that big bad dude at the gym, like that you think is like, there's no way you could ever look like him or be as strong as him or whatever. Those are the nicest people. Yeah. Like, because they're like anybody right. else, like they want to talk about what they're passionate right. about. And so they, they will, I've seen it over and over and over and over, like they will bend over backwards to help you. Like I've experienced that when I was a kid, you know, and even in college, like, they will help you in any way possible. So never be afraid to be like, Hey man, like you seem to know what's up. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me out today with, you know, my arm workout or whatever? Like they will. And if, if they don't, frankly, you don't need to sure. be friends with them. Like you don't want to yeah. be around that person anyway. So yeah. who cares? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I go, I go to church with a guy. He's, he's older. He's probably fifties ish now, but used to work out all the time. I mean, he was, he's, he's, mm -hmm. he's big steel, but he used to be just this monster. Mm -hmm. And man, he loved when guys in the youth group would come to him and be like, Hey, will you train with me? Like he ate mm -hmm. that up. So, you know, and asking yep. those other guys, sometimes you might not realize just how much you're actually benefiting them as well. So, you know, it's two way mm -hmm. street. Uh, but a hundred percent. And like every time I'm in the gym, even just if I'm just there myself, you know, not in any kind of professional capacity, it's like somebody, Hey, you know, I, we got new, got some new leg machines at the gym recently. Like, Hey, can you show me how to use this? Like, absolutely. Like 20 minutes, like yeah. just gone. I'm like, yeah. I don't care. Like, like I'm not, it's not even about like my business. It's about like, this is what I like right. to do. It's right. fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. And man, I, I have to go back and say, I love what you said, uh, mirroring that debt snowball approach because you know, mm -hmm. you, you contrasted that with, uh, the gung ho, I'm just going to get out. I'm going to do it. I'm going, you know, cold Turkey on everything right now. And I'm Mr. Olympian diet starting this moment. And that always yep. fizzles yep. out that always just fades away. And yep. then there's just regret and disdain and just bitterness that usually forms in its place, but mm -hmm. starting and doing things that are actually manageable so that you can create a lifestyle where you're worried about your wellness mm -hmm. rather than just trying to fix Feeling the problem. Good. Yes. Building yourself yeah. up. Not like, not like I'm going to diet because I'm fat and right. I hate myself like that. Like it may get you started. Like that negative emotion may be what needs to push you over the edge to get right. you started. So that is, it is useful. It's sure. like a tool, like anything Like it's useful, but you can't stay yeah. there. Like, you have to, at some point transition to like, like I said earlier, like this is benefiting area, every area of my life. I see how it benefits every area of my life. And I am a person who deserves to have a yeah. good life. Like it seems so simple, but I don't think a lot of guys yeah. believe that. And so 
understanding that, internalizing that and be like, okay, so because I'm a person that deserves to have a good life, I have some health problems. I can improve those, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're like pie in the sky. and You're not a realist. Like if you need to lose 60 pounds and get off your blood pressure medicine, like that's a very yeah. real need. Like, yes, but you cannot do it like, oh, I've been a terrible person because I have, you know, I haven't taken care of myself for the right. last 20 years. Again, that will get you started. But now it's like, now I am taking care of myself. I'm a person who cares about my health and cares about taking yeah. care of myself. Therefore, my actions will reflect that. Let me ask you a couple more questions. First question sure. I want to ask is, from where you're at today, speaking to other guys who might be in a similar situation that you found yourself in a few years ago, or speaking to your younger self when going through all of those things, mm -hmm. um, what can you leave to that guy? I think what I would tell that, you know, five years ago version of me is honestly, one of the things I just said is like, you don't deserve to suffer like this. It's not necessary. Um, you're not proving anything to anyone. Um, like no one cares in the best way possible. Like you're free to do, you know, to take care of yourself. Um, you know, you are, by refusing to face these things, this is the tough love part of it. It's like but by refusing to face these things and make a change because what you're doing is not working. So why would you keep doing it? By refusing to make a change, you are actively hurting both yourself and everyone around you. Uh, you're hurting the future version of yourself. You're hurting your family. Uh, you're hurting your friends. Um, you know, you're hurting your career, obviously, because it's unsustainable. So whatever, whatever mindset that you have has to change in some way um, because it's not working in the real world. That's the, yeah, that's, that, that's the tough love part of it. It's like, whatever you think, you know, you're doing or whatever, you know, preconceived notion you have of being manly or tough or whatever, it is not working in the real world, which means that something's off. Yeah. If it was true, it would be working, yeah. but it's not. <laughs> yeah. And so, that, that, like I said, the humility piece in that is kind of a, it's a big hit. Like it's, it's painful. Yeah. Like I went through that and I'm still going through that, you know, in some respects. So, so what's, I'm definitely a realist in that. I don't, it's not an overnight sort of thing where you're like, oh yeah, you know, this, you know, the guy in the podcast said this and he's right. So I'm going right. to, you know, change all these. It's, right. it's a process, you know, right. like it's, exactly. it's, it really is kind of a process and you have to be willing to do the work and you have to be willing to be really uncomfortable yeah. for an extended amount of time. So, so <laughs> um, what is the first plan of action yeah. that you would give outside of the mentality shift? Is the first plan of action, you know, start going to the gym? Is it uh, start seeing mm -hmm. a therapist? What, what would be the first step that you'd, you'd advise someone to take? So something I do with my clients, um, we have a couple of different ways of doing this, and this is very well based in research as far as, you know, changing habits, starting new habits, stopping bad habits, um, you know, action based type stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, the prerequisite to that is like, yes, if you need to talk to a therapist, find a good one. Um, there are a lot of bad ones. I've had bad experiences. I've had good experiences. Um, you know, like I said, I think I've been through four or five at this point. So like different things for different seasons, just because you don't vibe with one doesn't mean you won't vibe with someone else. Sure. So definitely, you know, research, talk to people, you know, pay for some sessions, like figure out, you know, who is going to be able to help you the best. Um, but as far as like what I do from a fitness perspective, um, it comes down to 
why are you wanting to make whatever change you're going to make and your own like self conception or your identity, how you see yourself. So I know this is like really kind of heady or whatever, but so an exercise I like is um, called the five whys. So um, basically you're just asking yourself why you're doing something five times. And by that fourth or fifth time, you're going to get at the deeper reason of why you want to do something. So, you know, an example for me is like, why do you work out? I was like, well, I want to, you know, stay in shape and be healthy. Why do you want to be in shape and healthy? Why is that important? Well, um, you know, at this point in my life, I want to be, um, a good example for my daughter and I want to live a long time so that I see, you know, everything that she does and, you know, potentially her kids and all these sorts of things. Like, why do you want to want to do that? It's like, well, ultimately, because I love her, I want the best for her. Um, you know, like I said, I wanted to set a positive example for her to give her skills that I didn't have growing up, um, you know, to take care of herself, having some of these, you know, self-understanding both mentally and physically. And, you know, that's, I think that's three, maybe four wise yeah. deep. That's way more powerful than, you know, oh, I should work out because I, I think I should be healthier. Yeah. You know, like if I just, oh, I should be healthier. Like, well, why? Who cares? Lots of people don't care. You know, right. like why, why do you care? And, and no one can tell you what that reason is. Yeah. It may literally just be, I don't feel good about myself and I want six pack abs so that I, I start to build some confidence. Like, yeah. that's fine. Why do you want to be confident? Would be the next question, right. but it, it, it's it's different for everybody. And so the the second piece of that um, is identity. So you can there, there's a lot of different ways of doing this. the The overarching theme is just why or who who are you? How do you how do you see yourself, and what does that person do? So if you don't see yourself as a healthy person or as an active person or whatever, you're not going to do the things that that active person does. That's just not how you see yourself. So you have to dig really deep and find the ways that, you know, whatever this person is, does that you want to do. So like, I want to be healthier. I want to be active. I want to, you know, lose weight or whatever it is, you know, what does that person do and how do I kind of shift my self image into more like that person? Yeah. So the easy way to do that is to look for other areas of your life where you may demonstrate some of those things. So, you know, if I want to be a healthy person, maybe I'm overweight and my blood pressure is a little high. But, um, you know, I, I go for walks with my family or at whatever it ends up being like, look for actions that you've taken in the past or that you're doing currently that reinforce that new identity. And then, like I said before, build on it. Yeah. So what does an active person do? Well, an active person probably doesn't sit around watching four hours of Netflix every day. That person might, you know, go for a five minute walk in the evening after dinner or something like that yeah. could be anything. Yeah. And then you start with those small manageable pieces, start doing that. And then over time, again, your self-conception starts to change. And you're like, I'm not that person that sits around and watches four hours of Netflix every night. I am the person that goes and does these other things. Yeah. And then it just kind of self-perpetuates. Like it just yeah. kind of, you just kind of do it because it's how you see yourself and it's, it's more automatic. Yeah. So that is probably not the answer that people are expecting, but it is the foundation for everything that you're going to do. Yeah. So I, like I said earlier, like, yeah, like start small, go for little walks, do something at home, get your kids involved. Um, you know, do five push ups with the kids, you know, every commercial break of the show or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but little, little stuff like that is how I would start. And then the main thing is to find something that if you don't enjoy it, at least you don't hate it. So like some people just despise running. So don't go run. 
(laughs) Like some people, you know, like CrossFit. I don't particularly, but, you know, join a CrossFit gym, get around a community. That's great. Um, If you, you know, like bodybuilding style workouts, go get in the gym and, you know, do a little bit of bodybuilding type stuff. It's, you know, if you want to do a triathlon, that sounds appealing. Like talk to someone who's done it and get involved there. Like the, the thing that's going to help the most is understanding why you're doing something and then doing stuff that you enjoy. Like there's no mandatory sorts of activity. Like I do think that we have good evidence that everybody should be doing some kind of strength training and everybody should be doing some kind of cardio, but those categories are so broad, like it looks completely different for each person. And that's fine. Yeah. Like you don't need to fit somebody's conception of what, you know, a fitness person does. Yeah. I think that's good. I think you've given a really good logical and cohesive presentation on, on how to go about changing yourself if you're dealing with these mental issues or physical issues, uh, and then just laying your life out in the right way. I, I love the five whys. I've never heard of that. And mm-hmm. I think that that's an incredible idea because what why ultimately causes you to do is pinpoint what yeah. you value. Write it down. Like it's yes. surprising, yeah. man. I've done that several times with several different things. It's you're like, what? Yeah. Did I just think that? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. No, it's 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 a great it's a yeah. great exercise that I would highly recommend because why causes you to see your values and what values ultimately do is give you your priorities. And so if you're looking mm-hmm. at everything that you do, well, just because you've asked yourself these questions and you've, you know, done it so redundantly and you've actually forced yourself to answer, well, now you've laid out, this is who I really am. Like, this is what mm-hmm. I really believe. And this is what I really enjoy. This is what I value. So yeah, I need to structure my life in a way that actually makes sense. Like, I don't need to buck against the system that I have inside of me. Like, mm-hmm. if I enjoyed this, and this is what I care about, why the heck am I doing all these other things that give me anxiety and frustration? Um, exactly. Y- yeah, you've exactly you, you give stop beating your head against the wall, yeah. and everything aligns up. And yeah. it's and that right, I'm glad you brought that up because that right there by itself alleviates, you know, some anxiety. Yeah. Is like if I'm living according to, you know, the values that I hold dear and my actions line up with that. Yeah. You can be frustrated. Like you can have bad days like everybody else. But at the yes. end of the day, it's like, well, like I ask myself at the end of the day, I have reminders that pop up on my phone and stuff. And it's like, um, one of them is you're never going to get this day again. Act accordingly. Yeah. It's good. You know, it pops up in the morning. And it, that to me keeps me centered because it's like, it keeps me clear on my values. It keeps me clear on, you know, am I spending my time in ways that support those values? Um, and I get to the end of the day, it's like, well, maybe I didn't have the greatest day for whatever reason. Um, but at the end of the day, did I, did I live according to these values and yeah. did I kind of be the person that I want to be? And if the answer is yes. It's like, well, yeah, you're winning. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think it's, yeah. I think it's really important to just give a little attention to the fact that yeah, there are failures along the way and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like there are bad days. The way that I like to talk Mm -hmm. about discipline is that discipline is, it's, it's more about everyday effort. It's not about, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, did I achieve my five-year goal in five minutes? Like, no, like we give that, we give ourselves these, these expectations that make zero sense sometimes because we, we want, change but we want it now going back to that delayed gratification mm-hmm. that we talked about at the very beginning of the episode um everyday efforts make a big difference and i think that's really important for us to get through our head um yeah you have to fall in love with the process yeah because the out you got outcomes and you got processes yeah the outcomes you know in my world is like i want to lose 40 pounds by christmas or whatever yeah it's like 
oh, cool. And the question I, I was like, that's a great goal. That gives you something to shoot for. It's very concrete. That's great. Yep. The question I asked is like, well, what if you lose 39 or 41? Yeah. Are you still going to be happy? Well, you love how you look. Yeah. So it's like, you can't fall so in love with the outcome because it's ultimately not under your direct control. Sure. What is under your direct control is the process, which is what you're doing each yeah. day, yeah. which is why I harp on that so much. Like you do the right actions right. consistently and long-term, the outcome just kind of happens. Right. And when it happens, you're like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then you keep moving on because it's just a part of who you are. Yeah. And I think the journey of life that we're on and the journey of fatherhood, I think they're directly related to each other. But I said just the 100%. other day that, you know, fatherhood it's, it's not like a marathon. Like, yeah, it seems like a long time, but there's not an end to fatherhood. We stop being the dad mm -hmm. when we quit. And I think that's how mm -hmm. life goes. The journey of life ends when we are dead. You know, there's a, we're mm -hmm. always on the journey. We're always in the process. And that's just the way that it is. Let me ask you my final yeah. question. Um, sure. I know we haven't really talked a ton about, you know, engaging with our kids and father, fatherhood, you know, directly, but we've said a lot that deals with fathers and men's mental health and physical condition and how they can, you know, relate in, with their kids and play with their kids and all those wonderful things. But, um, I know you're a dad of a youngster. What's your best piece of advice to give to dads today? Mm. I think, and this is not my own thought. I don't know where I heard this. Doesn't um, matter. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, if we want to talk about like the five love languages that a lot of people are familiar with or something, I'm kind yeah. of like a quality time kind of guy. Okay. Um, uh, I think with kids, like I, I have been, and again, she's two, like, I don't claim to have, you know, a ton of experience with this, but at the beginning I was definitely hyper fixated on, you know, having quality time with her, like as much as possible. And obviously I still believe that's important. Like you have to have these carved out times when, you know, we like, for example, like every Tuesday morning, um, since she was basically born, um, I've taken her to breakfast. Um, now we'll, you know, go to the park or something like that, play a little bit. And then I'll take her to the, uh, to the nannies for a couple hours. So that's kind of one of our quality times. We go to breakfast as a family on a Saturday. You know, that's another thing that we do very consistently that we've done since, but even before she was born. Um, but I think my perspective on quality time has changed a little bit. I think it's just time. Yeah. So if you're laying there, you know, if I'm laying there with her on the couch and she's watching Coco or whatever she's, you know, wanting to do, just me being in the room and being present yeah. accounts for so much, even if it's something that seems super mundane. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we're watching TV, we're watching the same movie we watched 30 times in a row, but I'm still here. And, you know, when she gets to the point where we could have a conversation, you know, an actual conversation, it's not just toddler babble, right? Like we could have that conversation. The door is open. Yep. Whereas, you know, I think in the past I was so focused on like, oh, we have to have these, these specific times and specific experiences. And I do think that's important, but for me, it's much more just now just being around, you yeah. know, just being available and being willing to, you know, shut down what I'm doing that's not as important as her and yeah. just be like, yeah, we can go outside and play for 15 minutes. That's, that's fine. Like I'm not, you know, it doesn't have to be this big thing. She's not going to remember, you know, the vast majority of these little moments. And honestly, I probably won't either, right. but it's all those little building blocks of the relationship. Yeah. Just that accumulate over time that you don't even realize. Yeah. She won't remember the little moments, but she will remember that you were there. And exactly. That, I think is the big thing. Yeah. Uh, it's so true too. And you know, 
when I view quality time, what you what you described, I would I would define as quality time personally. Yeah, just being there and being present. So just just the other night, uh, my oldest daughter Reagan, she's she's the most emotional, and she's the middle kid at this point. So like I understand that there are things that just come along with being the middle kid, and she always feels like she's on this conquest to have time with us. So, you mm-hmm. know, we try to be mindful of that. And the other night I had to go to Home Depot to get some stuff. And I took her with me just, mm-hmm. just to go to Home Depot. We didn't go on a daddy daughter date. She still called yep. it that. She still thought of it in the same way. We didn't go eat. We didn't go get ice mm-hmm. cream like we typically would, but she went with me to Home Depot. She jumped around. She carried the cans of wasp spray that we had to buy. And yeah. she had the time of her life. And mm-hmm. just including our kids with us and being mindful of them when they're there, it's it's such a game changer. So, yeah, I, I echo exactly what you just said. Um, this has been a great conversation, and yeah, I man. think everyone listening is going to want a little bit more from you. So why don't you tell us how we can connect with you, either on social media, if you have a website, let us know um, how we can learn more about you. Sure. So it's pretty easy to find. Um, Instagram is the main kind of social media uh, platform that I'm active on. Um, you can find me just at MJT training. Um, you find me on there. I post pretty much every single day. Um, most of it is kind of fitness and mindset related content um, that you will find useful. Like I, I pull my followers and like draw stuff from my clients that I talk to. So it's all very practical down to earth stuff. I don't do the whole like influencer thing or like skits or anything like that. It's all very, <laughs> very, very yeah. actionable, you know, type, type of stuff that I try to no nonsense yeah. that I try to post. Um, and you can feel sure. free to send me a message on there. That's a really easy way to contact me. Um, you know, okay. I, I respond to all of my messages on there. Um, website is mjttraining.com. Um, you can see kind of a little bit more about what I do and kind of my story. Um, on their client testimonials, that kind of thing. But honestly, like Instagram's kind of where it's at. So, so find me on there, you know, follow me and, and send me a message, say hi and say, you know, that you, that you found me through the podcast. I would, I would love that. Very cool. All right. So that's M J T training. training. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like training T R A I N I N G. Yes. Um, so make sure you check Mike out on Instagram, check out his website. If you're interested in, you know, the fitness coaching, he does that and he's going to do it online. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he won't tell, you no. he'll be there to help you, especially if you're a first responder in the conversations that Mike and I have had, um, because he was a police officer. I know he can, yep. he can better relate to you if you are a first responder too. And, um, I know he talked to me about his struggle sometimes with people who just didn't understand that mm-hmm. reality. So you know, if you were a cop, are a cop, firefighter, whatever it may be, yep. uh, Mike's probably a good a good guy to go to. Yep. So check him out on Instagram. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I want to recap one more thing that I couldn't help but recap in the interview itself, and that is the five whys that Mike talked about. I think this is such a profound exercise for us to do as men. Think about why you want to do what you want to do and probe yourself. Be the annoying child back to yourself. Why, why, why? Do that to yourself and try to do it up to five times and pinpoint 
what really matters to you and why you're really doing the things that you're doing. Because when you ask why, you determine your values. And when you know what you value, then that's going to influence your priorities. And whatever you prioritize in life is where you're going to spend your time. So if you will ask yourself why, and you'll really identify what you value, your priorities will reflect those values, and your time will also be focused on the things that matter most to you. So probe yourself like an annoying three-year-old, ask yourself why, and then start spending your time on the things that matter most to you. Well, this is Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you so much for being with me, and I hope you will join me next time. Thank you again for listening to Fathering Our Future. If this episode has served you or you believe it will serve another dad in the future, make sure that you leave a like, a comment, a review, or share this so that it can reach another dad. And so that you don't miss out on another episode, make sure you subscribe to Fathering Our Future wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, for more great content, head over to www.fatheringourfuture.com.